This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, welcome to the future of finance, the Motive Labs podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Welcome back. You're joined today by myself, Sam, and Howard Sears. Welcome, Howard. Hi. So Howard is the founder and exec chairman of Software Group Astuta, a firm that we've got to know well at Motive Partners, specifically in the Motive Labs business. Howard, could you do us a small favor and and demystify what Astuta does for our listeners? Yeah. Astuta is a group of companies that focuses on compliance and the automation of compliance. So where you would have historically had very service-heavy processes, we are aiming to automate those using our own technology to enable our clients to have more accurate and faster communications with their regulator, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense to me. Perhaps you could also rewind a little bit and tell our listeners a bit about your career. I know it's been decorated, fast becoming one of the most impressive investors in the UK landscape. Can you tell people where it began and what you've done since? That's very kind. So it began with me starting my first ever software company, which was back in the late 90s, believe it or not, where we launched a business that was focused on providing a technology platform to brands that wanted to launch on the TV, on interactive TV. We were working with the then platform providers, so Sky, NTL and Telewest as it were, and on digital as it was, where we, and we would be building a platform for the brand. And we worked with a number of large brands, but we would also be negotiating the tenancy terms with those platforms. So we were a kind of one-stop shop for brands that wanted to experiment with what was then the new medium of interactive television. And that was um, interesting, very early. Um, and we won a number of decent brands, but mostly proof of concept worked. It was early days, really, because the business models were still being proven out. But we ran that for two or three years and successfully sold that business. We then set up a different business, which was more pure play software. So that was a business that worked in the US FDA regulated space. So it was um, a piece of software that allowed an organization to create, deploy and track training content, where it was critical to prove competency and compliance of an individual. And we moved that business from just the US FDA market, which was primarily biotech and pharma companies, into the UK and into what was in the FSA regulated market. So where in the US, we were ensuring that people were competent and compliant to fill a manufacturing line, a production line. Here, we were making sure that an individual was compliant to sell a mortgage, Mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. And that was my first taste, actually, of kind of fintech. And we built that company up, and I exited out of that one in 2010. Then became... um, a kind of angel investor, I guess, through and using Astuta as the vehicle to look for interesting businesses to get involved with. Okay, wow. I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot of that, which is, uh, yeah, which is great. I always learn so much doing these podcasts. Let me just uh, play that back a little bit. So 90s, very early software business, technology platform for brands launching on TV. Must have been super exciting, right? Very, very exciting, yeah. The dot-com bubble, awesome. Moving into training content for compliance, bringing something to the UK from the US. 
also very exciting. Again, sounds like the first wave of fintech. Yeah, I mean, we actually built it here. We actually built it out in the countryside of Oxfordshire. Oh, wow. But we decided, because we, we, we saw the gap in the market that was, was for a platform that could provide that compliance and regulatory software for that US market. It was only being serviced by a couple of large NASDAQ-listed businesses. So we actually built it here in, in Oxfordshire and started selling it into the States. And we opened an office in, in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and we then bought it back over here. So we kind of did it the other way around to most regular fintech startups. That's awesome. Is, <laughs> um, is building something in Oxfordshire, presumably in an empty barn, the UK equivalent of building something in your garage in Silicon Valley? Yes. We haven't done that quite as successfully as others, but yes. <laughs> awesome. Okay. You and I were introduced through a mutual friend, Richard Pattel. Yes. The great Richard, who... Introduce us originally around Inferalgo, a business that, that we've now partnered together on with the Motive Labs business. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what Inferalgo does from the time that you acquired it and then where it's going, what the vision is, what the hill that you're climbing is? Yeah, absolutely. So we acquired Infraago at the end of 2016, so a couple of years ago now. And we acquired it because we saw that it had fantastic potential against our mission. And our mission is to automate the collection and reporting of data for compliance reasons, as I mentioned earlier. What Infraago did, and still does indeed, is it provides connectivity and APIs to capital markets organizations for the enabling of straight through processing and the harmonization of data. So it will link two platforms together with a venue or whatever that mix needs to be. It was a well-established company. It had been established for nearly 20 years. The opportunity that that's we... That's not a startup then, is it? That's not a startup. No, okay. No, no. that's... that's a, a restartup. A, a restartup, exactly. So the opportunity that we saw was to begin to move those processes that they were enabling. They already were a software company, but to take those APIs and to build them into a consolidated automation platform. Mm -hmm. So still keep all of the different adapters that they have and all the connectivity that they have, but pull it into one cloud-based platform. What that means is for the clients is they have the ability not only to connect to the venues and the different platforms that they need to connect to in order to trade, but also they have all of their data in a, in a cloud platform, which enables us to source that data and to send it to a regulator in near real time, which is very effective and something that not a lot of others can do. So we're on the path to taking it from a services and software company Mm-hmm. and moving it into a data automation platform business. And we are two years into that mission. So we've replatformed the business, and we are now beginning to, to scale it. Awesome. Currently works with around 100 organizations. Wow. I know that we probably can't name check them over the podcast, but some really incredible brands. Some of the largest financial institutions on the planet have trusted Infrago for a long time. Yeah, Infrago was, was always seen and still is seen, I hope, as a safe pair of hands. So they were trusted to be responsible for some very complex integrations between different real-time platforms. All that we've done is try and build on that by automating some of the processes into a into a cloud-based platform. And I'm right in thinking that you're building out the US team at the moment with a real focus in New York? That's right, yeah. Actually, well over half of the client base of Infrago are, are actually in New York, and we're looking to build out the team there. We've 
we are working with institutions at all levels, mm-hmm. but we are also working with, and a very exciting area for us at the moment, is working with other fintechs where they have fantastic product and great ideas, but don't necessarily have the connections to be able to simply link to existing partners and systems. So we are providing a connectivity layer to those guys, and a lot of those are in New York. Can you tell us about some, you've had some big milestones recently. I've had the good fortune of spending some time with your chief marketing officer, Simon, talking about some of these partnerships. Liquidity Edge is is one of the biggest. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on there? Yes, so Liquidity Edge approached um, Infralgo probably two or three years ago now, before we acquired the company, to help them have connectivity to some of the large data providers. They thought that it would be faster and simpler to plug into an existing platform where the connectivity already existed rather than to build it themselves. And that relationship and that partnership has gone from strength to strength. And as Liquidity Edge has grown and is growing really well, we have been the connectivity partner for them. Okay, super. Well, I'm actually uh, I'm moderating a panel with Bob's Guide, Liquidity Edge, and one of your top sales guys, Johnny Hall, and then also Mark Mark Hepsworth, which, and that's tomorrow. So if people want to listen to it, then at least they'll know if it was good or not. <laughs> um, perhaps we can talk about talent for a moment, Howard. You're, you're a force of nature bringing together great people, great ideas with execution. How are you finding so many brilliant people from investors to advisors to board members to management teams and even to the future talent? You've done a great job. How are you doing it? Well, that's the hardest part in this, actually, is finding really good people that can work together where you can find an aligned interest and make sure that everyone is is happy on that journey. There's a core team of us at Astuta led by Jordan Ambrose, who I've worked with now for nearly 20 years. So he's he's led that. So that's firmly established. And then we've managed to attract in other high-caliber management to work with us. A lot of that has come off the back that we've managed to attract some very interesting and helpful investors and advisors, ranging from software entrepreneurs who have made their money and made successful exits for themselves through to you know industry experts like you guys that's very kind (laughs) yeah i had to prompt that (laughs) so perhaps you can tell us a little bit now about astuta it's already creating great waves in the industry i believe astuta has got an incredible journey ahead of it can you tell us a little bit about the thesis and some of the areas that you're most focused on at the moment Yeah, so the thinking behind it is, as I mentioned earlier, it's around the automation of compliance. So it's enabling our clients, whoever their regulator may be, to source, extract, and send on and report on that data in near real time. And Astuta has three different propositions for three different markets, but they all are around the automation of that compliance. So we work in the capital markets with Infralgo, as we've just mentioned. We have recently acquired an organization that works with local authorities and NHS trusts, again, around the automation of data for reporting. And then lastly, we work in the built environment where we have an IoT platform that enables the reporting of compliance data to the health and safety executive. And those three legs, so capital markets, local authority government, so public sector, I guess, broadly, and the built environment are where Astuta is looking to grow. 
and we are looking to potentially acquire more businesses in that space and also grow the business organically. Awesome. One of the other businesses that you're, you're focused on at the moment is one that I think personally as a mortgage owner is super exciting, Dashly. Can you tell us a little bit about what Dashly does, how it's going to impact the consumer and why you think it's revolutionary? Yeah, Dashly is very interesting. So Dashly is actually slightly different to the main compliance automation story of a studio. It sits aside that. We were attracted to it initially because we thought that it would be an interesting tool for lenders to help them, almost like a proactive CRM tool to help them understand their mortgage book. Because the way that Dashly works is if you're a mortgage holder or if you want to become a mortgage holder, you enter your credentials into Dashly, you create a dashboard. It then in real time, all of the time, compares whole of market to tell you if there is a better or indeed a mortgage deal available to you. We set it up thinking that that would work as a comparison tool to enable the lenders to have a clearer view of their mortgage book. But where it has gone over the last two years, that it's been in development for two years, is actually the always-on comparison is very compelling for consumers. But because of the level of advice that it's giving, it's actually now become a regulated business. So whether you there is a better deal available for you today or whether there isn't, that advice is actually regulated advice. So we're just in the final stages of the FCA sandbox process. Amazing. And, and how have Ross and the team found the FCA sandbox? I mean, I know you know that... they have. It's been an amazing experience for them. They've been Good. very, very supportive. Good. The whole point of Dashley, from a consumer point of view, is that it ensures that you as a customer of a lender are on the best possible deal, which obviously tallies very nicely with the FCA thinking of making sure that the customer is treated fairly and, and gets the best deal that's available to them. Awesome. You've got some big partnerships coming up with Dashley. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about them now. Perhaps we can just give a nod to the future for for the listeners, but keep an eye out. Or, yeah. or are we allowed to talk about No, we're not. I think we, we, <laughs> we might just have to wait till January. We're, we're under wraps. Okay. But it, launch, it launches properly in January. Watch this space. Well, definitely watch this space because there's some very cool quite high profile partnerships coming up I really do see Dashley as being uh, an enormous consumer facing brand of the future although I know it may not have originally been intended like that there's a bit more in the piping I do think that the customers all across the UK and probably internationally understanding the mortgage market a bit in other regions will benefit from it yeah I hope so me too um, you've worked with a ton of interesting people through through your career who have been some of the people that you've most enjoyed working with with. Well, that's a difficult one because uh, there have been quite a few. I guess those that challenge me on my thinking on a day-to-day basis are the most interesting to work with. So I have the, the management team uh, led by Jordan that I mentioned before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who are constantly uh, challenging my views. But additionally, our current investors are definitely worth a mention. So we have a group of guys that have been very loyal to us over the years and have continued to invest in the projects as we've grown larger. A couple that stand out, John Clayton with a marketing background, um, Hedley Goldberg, who's at Rothschild, 
and uh, Joseph Shaw, who was at Warburg, have all been very supportive of, of, of me and are great guys to work with. Amazing. That's quite a list of people. You continue to, to make great headway, great investments. Every time you and I catch up, I'm always super impressed with your foresight and vision, not just in, in acquiring these firms, but, but then what you're going to do with them. That's the mark of not just an investor, but an operator. And that's the tough part. A bit of a curveball question, obviously not scripted, but um, what's the best investment that you never made? Has anything ever slipped through the net? Oh, loads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely limited by uh, the size of funds I have available. I see so many cool ideas and things that I wish I uh, had invested in. The problem that we have is that we look to invest across the themes of the moment. So at the moment, Internet of Things big data generally, AI, and there's so much innovation and so many interesting companies, particularly here in London, that we get to see that we've just either been too slow or not had the right timing on mm-hmm. um, that have gone on to do really well. Well, you, you can't pick them all, but um, you've got a pretty good hit rate. So uh, yeah, I'd settle for what you're doing. Howard, it's always a huge, huge pleasure. Thank you for letting us be a part of your journey. It means a great deal. We love working with you. We love working with Jordan and the team. And we're looking forward to doing much more together. Great. Thanks very much, Sam. Thanks, Howard. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motive partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.